Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Welcome everybody, Dan Bentley here and Tracy Newman. Uh, and also Tracy's partner in the other room trying to be quiet while he's working from home in Sydney lockdown. If we hear any background noises at the moment, we've told him that he needs to be on his best behaviour, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, poor guy. just wanted to, you know, make himself some breakfast. He had the blender on and it's like, no, sorry, can't have the blender on. And I went in there a moment ago. He's actually got his laptop closed and the cat sitting on it because the cat's now decided that if he's not allowed in here with me, He's going to sit on his laptop. So he had to close the top because he kept on treading on all the keys and he was sending his computer nuts. So the joys of working from home with pets, right? I can only imagine what it's like working from home with small children. So we've got him sitting in there pretty much living in the Middle Ages because he's not allowed to watch the TV either. Tracy just told him to turn that down because we could hear that through the microphone. So poor guys. Hope his employer's not watching this podcast. So look, yeah, today what we're going to get into and talk to you about is about adaptive leadership. Uh, one of the most important parts of the work that we do around creating innovative and impactful organisations is ensuring that your leaders have the skills and the know-how to be able to foster creativity and to be able to lead innovation within their teams. So one of the critical parts of that is adaptive leadership. So we're going to go into a little bit more around that today. Yeah, it's always good to be adaptive. We're all learning that in live time as we speak. So it's a, a quite a pertinent start to our podcast today. It is, yeah. It's a bit of a tricky one because if you read leadership books, they really preach a style. They say like, don't be a manager. Don't be this type of leader. Be this type of leader. Be a collaborator. Especially the real new age sort of stuff is all about collaboration. And I mean, we talk a lot about collaboration too, so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but... You know, leadership is situational. I think that's the reality. And you really need to make sure that that that's happening within your organization because when we just follow rules and we follow one style, it means that it's in some cases not going to work and in some cases is going to work. Whereas if you have an adaptive style, you can ask yourself as a leader or, you know, your leaders can ask themselves, what do I need to do here? What's going to bring the best out of this person? What's going to be the best way to tackle this scenario? So I think that's the kind of the essence of what we want to talk about today. Yeah, it's like that saying, you know, when all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you have one style of leadership, then pretty much everything looks like a nail. You know, it doesn't allow for the nuances that are human and the things that, you know, People need different things at different times. And as leaders, we're able to provide those. We just need to, you know, take a moment to centre ourselves and think about, oh, what's going on in this for me? And actually reacting deliberately versus just doing what comes to our head every single time. Yeah, I remember back when I was a, a young leader, now I'm just an old leader, I read a hype of books around leadership and I really wanted to become a better leader. And so many of these books were talking about collaboration and and asking your people, what do you want to achieve? And we've talked about this before, but I, I see myself as a creative person and a collaborative type person. So I was just using that for everything. I was like, yeah, this is great. But especially with new leaders and maybe people that don't know what to do, I actually found that my style was really not helping these people. I was actually kind of setting them up to fail unintentionally because when I was asking these questions, 
of what do you think you should do and collaborate. They had no idea. Like what they needed in that situation was guidance from me. You know, we know that everybody that's watching this knows that, but are your leaders doing that? That's what's important to check in in, check in on. I've always, you know, valued collaboration, hence, you know, we do the work that we do and always been really, you know, wanting to include people and I want to make sure that everybody's happy and everybody likes me because I'm a trying to reform people pleaser. And I did this leadership program, which was so valuable because what I got to see for myself in that was exactly that. Sometimes I just wanted someone to take charge and actually get us through a situation so that we could move forward. And it's that getting the situation right and having an approach that works in that specific situation rather than doing the same thing every time, regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. So why is adaptive leadership important? Why, why, why do this? We often talk about the innovative and impactful organization and that we're trying to help and organizations move away from being a traditional and surviving or just surviving type organization. And I think the context that adaptive leadership needs and I guess comes into this is that the world is changing faster than it ever has before. We have a lot of different things, whether that be on a government level, whether that be on the client side of things, technology, no matter what you look at, it's changing faster. Being rigid and overly structured is not the right style to take you through that. When there's great times of change, you need to be able to be flexible and adaptable so that you can change your approach to meet the needs of the scenario that you're faced with. So that's how this sort of all sort of fits into the bigger picture. When this is done well, what we find is it creates safety for your people to be able to innovate because what's happening is we're not just following the rules. We're not just saying to people, just do your job. We're actually saying to them, hey, in this scenario, we need to do something different. Or in this scenario, I want you to give me some ideas of what we can do. Or in this scenario, we need to do this. Help me build something that's going to fix this problem. We're sort of giving them those messages rather than just sort of managing the status quo. So I think that's where sort of adaptive leadership comes into it from a bigger picture perspective. Yes, agreed. And I think to your point about rigidity and structure, it's still important to have those guide rails. And, you know, quite often when you start talking about, you know, being creative and innovative, people are like, well, you don't understand, you know, we have lots of restrictions and there are lots of things that we can and can't do. And when I hear that, a little piece of me goes, oh, that's awesome, because those sort of constraints really help creativity. But the mindset of we can't be creative because we have lots of regulations is not helpful for creativity and that doesn't drive innovation forward. No. We've been doing a lot of work lately with aged care providers and I think that's been a good example of what you were just talking about there, Trace, where what we did was we used the aged care standards as those guide rails so that they had a space to be creative in. You might want to solve this problem But what we want to do is use this construct of the aged care standards to point us in the right direction and give us a playing field because it's really hard for people to be innovative when it's completely blue sky. Some people can do it, but a lot of people, they struggle. Whereas if you say to them, here's the space I want you to be creative in, go nuts, you get a better response and people can go like, I really can focus in on the problem, focus in on really good solutions that are going to solve this particular thing, but go really broad with my ideas around what could be the solutions for that particular 
little area. And so, yeah, constraints are very helpful in that space. I think the other thing when we're talking about adaptive leadership, it is about finding the right style. And it's not about saying, oh, collaborative leadership is great. And it's not about saying, well, you know, you've got to make sure people have firm guidelines and, you know, you've got to be really instructional. It's actually about saying, look, there are lots of different ways you can be as a leader at any point in time. And what we want you to do is match the situation and your behaviour and the guidance that you give to suit the situation. Don't just go, oh, this is the best approach and I'm always going to use it. I was reading a book recently from a CEO's perspective and I can't remember who it was, but it was someone that was leading a large organisation and they talked about the difference between like a wartime CEO and a peacetime CEO. And what your people needed from that type of a leader and he used a lot of wartime leaders like you know churchill and those sorts of people as an example and what he was sort of saying was is that when things are really good and things are you know heading in the right direction and all you're needing to do is kind of like tweak some things you're able to be a lot more loose i guess and collaborative and all that but when you're in a situation where it's life or death sometimes you need to be extremely directive and so that really goes against a lot of popular new aged leadership books saying, you know, well, don't micromanage people. And, and I'm, I don't think you want to micromanage people, but don't be directive and all those sorts of things. You often hear that in that sort of literature. But what they're saying with that example is there is sometimes a time where that is the best approach. And I think good leaders are leaders that are able to say, okay, in this situation, this is what I should do. But in this situation, this is what I would like to do. Whatever's going to bring the best out of your people, I think. And that's the question we need to ask ourselves as leaders. Right now, in this scenario, what style is going to bring the best out of my people and, and what is going to get the best outcome? Yeah, can we just talk about that whole concept of micromanagement? Because it's an interesting one. What I see is a lot of leaders actively working to avoid being a micromanager. And I never see anyone admit that they are a micromanager. And I also see a lot of people actually missing interactions with their leaders because their leaders are not wanting to micromanage. So, you know, I think for me, the difference between a micromanager and a leader that's interested in you and your work and what you're doing is actually how much guidance they give you around how to do what you need to do. And I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, having really clear expectations because people want to know, like, how do I know if I'm doing a good job or not? And if my leader never ever comes and talks to me about how I'm going, why I'm doing what I'm doing, whether or not I'm heading in the right direction because, you know, they trust me, sometimes that just feels like I'm left to flounder. And you want a leader that's interested in you and your work and what you're out to achieve. And so I think that the idea of not wanting to look like a micromanager has actually stopped a lot of leaders from being really good at their job because they're purposefully sort of standing back, not wanting to appear like a micromanager, but they're actually heading into the opposite direction where it's like that lack of guidance and lack of leadership. Yeah, it ends up becoming very loose, doesn't it? You almost become like a distant manager, <laughs> like the opposite of a micromanager, you become a distant manager and you're just kind of like running special projects and like, I trust my whole team. They're just doing a great job. They're amazing. That's a good thing. I think you want to trust your team and you want them to feel trusted. But like I agree, Trace, there's a balance, isn't there? And I think those two examples we gave are opposite ends of the spectrum. And I think it's based on the individual and, you know, if somebody's really underperforming and, you know, is having detrimental impacts on your clients, 
then maybe you do need to pay a little bit more attention to that individual. Whereas if you've got someone who's a high performer, you might still need to pay a bit of attention, but it's a different type of attention that you, you give that person or someone maybe not necessarily high performer, but someone that's even been there for some time and really knows the job well, you might give them a different type of attention. But to sort of be a hands-off completely type leader, I don't think that really helps anyone. I think, you know, we, we love feedback as a species. We love to know whether we're doing a good job. We love to know the direction that we need to go in. You see it so often, don't you? You know, the, the leaders that are doing a great job don't ever hear from their manager saying, hey, how are you going? Because they're doing a great job. And it's almost like, you know, being a high performer, you get penalised through lack of attention. And that's not the intent, but that's kind of the way that sometimes that feels. And that's when sometimes you see those high performers, they actually disengage and either, you know, leave and go somewhere else, which is a great shame, or, you know, their performance you know, doesn't continue to elevate just purely, you know, through lack of attention. Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. So what are some of the benefits of, of having adaptive leaders? I think at the moment, you know, in the last two years, the organisations with adaptive leaders have really done a lot better in, you know, things like working from home. So, you know, previously people got to see their leader and their leader were, was setting that strategic direction because they were in the same physical location. So now, you know, your adaptive leaders are the ones that are changing the way that they engage with their people, but they're still engaging with them in a way that's meaningful. Whereas your, your sort of non-adaptive leaders are the ones that are, you know, looking for ways that they can put technology onto their people's computers so they can, you know, measure keystrokes and work out whether or not they're working properly and things like that. So there's a real difference. And people who are working with those adaptive leaders are, you know, finding new ways and creative ways to flourish and putting in that, you know, additional discretionary effort and really bringing them their full selves to work. So, Dan, you said before about creating that safe environment, you know, creativity you need safety. You need to be confident to be able to put yourself out there and try something new. And you need to know that your leader's got your back and that, you know, if there's things that you need to learn, things that you're going to do differently next time, you want to flesh that out and have that conversation. But you're actually allowed to try something new and fail. And that's okay. Because otherwise, you don't get innovation if you expect a 100% success rate. No one's ever going to try anything risky if they're not allowed to fail. Yeah. And, and I think as well, we've to just further from your um, example there, Trace, around the last couple of years, at the senior level of organisations too, we've seen a real difference in outputs from those organisations that are led by adaptive leaders and those that are led by, I guess, traditional and non-adaptive leaders. We've got to come up with a name for those. You know, when COVID hit for the first time, we saw a whole heap of these organisations just go, right, this is how we're going to change our services. This is how we're going to adapt our model. This is how we're going to make sure we can still keep providing the care and support that we know that the people that we care for need from us. And they went out there and did this and they, they executed and they were just back on track within like a week. You know, some of them just were absolutely amazing, mind boggling how quickly they were able to do it. Whereas some of those non-adaptive leaders were like, hopefully this blows over. Hopefully we're going to get some support. You know, hopefully our clients are going to be okay by themselves. Maybe we'll just sit there and do nothing. And I think that's the sort of difference that you see when you've got that adaptive mindset 
versus that fixed mindset of, no, you know, this is how we do things. And, you know, we don't know what the future looks like. I think if you suggested that would be where we are right now, you'd go, no chance are they going to shut this down and not allow you to see your clients because, you know, we're all doing important things. But it happened. And that's the thing, right? We don't know what is going to be in the future either. We've seen all sorts of change lately. And yeah, that again, it just brings home that point around adaptive leadership is so critical in these sorts of organizations so that no matter what is thrown at us, we're able to adapt. So at the end of the day, if you can get your organization to become more adaptive, you've got more, way more chance of surviving. Absolutely. It's surviving and thriving. So another couple of benefits that you get from this sort of approach as well is that Places that we see that have great cultures where people want to work are usually organizations that have adaptive leadership. It's a really important characteristic and component of that. So generally we see like lower absenteeism, uh, less people leaving the organizations because their, their leader is not so rigid and they're able to give them what they need when they need it. I think that's the link there. I think as well, you just get better better outcomes too in terms of your work because the hammer is never the tool to use all the time you, you need to be able to sort of try different things do different things so you're just gonna get better outcomes for your clients and and an all-around better result because you are looking at things situationally yeah i think when you create an environment where creativity flourishes then you do find those new approaches to existing situations that actually does deliver a better outcome and you know you can continually learn well what is it that we need to know to make sure that our services are on track you know what is it that will enable us to take our services to the next level and you learn more and more about those markers of success and then as you as you start to reach them then you can learn more about them and and continue to evolve but it really does come from that position of creativity and you you absolutely need to create that safety to be able to create that environment where that creativity becomes part of the way that you work. And, you know, when we talk about adaptive leadership, I think one of the the most important things is, you know, the benefits of that vulnerability. An adaptive leader doesn't feel like they always have to have the answer. They actually are okay with assessing a situation and being able to say, look, I'm confident that we're going to solve this. And let's think about how we can solve that together. They don't always have to, you know, come with with the answers. And that takes a lot of pressure off of leaders because actually needing to, you know, know all the answers for everything all the time is really difficult. Whereas being able to know that you can ask the right questions to create the right answers is so much more empowering. Yeah, I agree with that. So how do we get started? So you're sitting here listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I'm running an organisation and I want to get my leaders to be more adaptive. Like, where do you start? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, you know, just do it. <laughs> sort of would be Everybody, easy, wouldn't it? Everybody, <laughs> send out an email, hashtag all of the people in my organisation. Please become more adaptive as of Monday. Thank you very much. Yours sincerely, CEO. <laughs> I always think that being in, in those leadership roles would be so easy if you could just tell people what to do and they did it. Although having said that, like how many leaders would you need in an organisation then? Not very many because the thing is we're actually dealing with humans. There is a lot that we can do though because quite often having a team of leaders that aren't very adaptive, it is just as simple as 
sometimes actually education can make a really big difference. People only know what they know and they don't know what they don't know. So through raising their awareness around their existing leadership style and the different styles that are available to them is a great place to start. So if you've only armed your team with a hammer, they're going to only use a hammer, right? So giving them a few other tools in their toolbox and talking to them about the different times to use that and, and getting those leaders to talk to their people and their leaders, et cetera, et cetera, down the organization, you can create a bit of a culture around that adaptive, I guess, philosophy and, and not having this person choose their favorite tool and using that for every single job. I think a tool that we like to talk to people a lot about is kind of like thinking about skill and will and and looking at each individual and sort of thinking, all right, so if you have somebody that's kind of low skill and low will that you want to improve their performance on, you know, what's the best tools that you can use to be able to help that person? And same goes, we talked about that highly tenured or high performing type person. What are the best way to bring the best out of that person? What tools do I have in my toolbox as a leader to be able to help them? But I agree, you got to just give your leaders the training so that they have a number of different things that they can use and then ensure that they are using that. Oh, another way you can do that too is start to understand as well by speaking to your people or even running some sort of a culture survey or something like that around how adaptive are leaders being, you know, are people feeling their leaders are always following the one style or not not looking at things and having options to do things differently if that's what's required. I think that's another way of being able to get some good feedback around how effective that's being too. I think there's a lot also to be said for, you know, being reflective. Like when you're leading an organisation, sometimes you feel like you always have to provide the answer, whereas actually sitting back and saying, well, how often am I role modelling questioning? You know, so that instead of actually providing all the answers in, in your leadership meetings, you know, how often are you questioning people and enabling them to find the answer and, and just asking really good questions instead of sort of feeling like you're the person who needs to have that capability? Another one that is one of our favorites and something that we have within our training that we roll out around this is about what we call the leadership decision-making triangle. And it's something that you can roll out at all different levels of your organization. It's a really helpful tool where when you have somebody that's one of your leaders is faced with a scenario, thinking about it from the three different points on the triangle. So one point is around the organization. If I make a decision, how does this impact our supporters, how does this impact the wider organization, what we're trying to achieve, align with our mission, those sorts of things. The next one is around your client. So if I make this decision, what is the impact going to be both good and bad for our clients? And finally, we look at it from the third role as my peers and my employees in this organization. If I make this decision, what impact positive and negative is it going to have on my peers and other employees? And so when you have a really simple model like this, this is something you can roll out quite quickly and get people to start thinking through those types of scenarios, which will then get them to stop just going for the hammer every time or the one thing there, because they need to think and go, okay, I'm faced with this. And it's a really good tool as well that you can roll out to your leaders so that when they are having conversations and somebody comes to them and says, oh, I'm going to do X because I think it's the best thing to do, you can say, all right, take me through the triangle. You know, of each step, why did you think that that decision is the right decision to make? And what were the impacts that you kind of considered for all of those three different areas? And it allows you to use it as a bit of a coaching tool at the same time so that you can really check in on their thinking and give them some guidance if required to make sure they're making really good decisions that are adaptive and situationally appropriate. So there you have it. We've talked to you about adaptive leadership. 
why it's important and a few things you can do to create a more adaptive group of leaders in your organization and you know maybe even yourself how you can be more adaptive the couple of tips that we gave you was make sure you've got a really good toolkit for your people give them access to training that shows them the different styles that they can use and challenge your leaders i think on what tools they should be using in different scenarios to bring the best out of their people and just be able to solve the problems in the best way that you might be facing and also maybe give that leadership decision-making triangle that we spoke about a go where you can roll out to your organization you know those three different points so that when people are making decisions they can go and use that as a bit of a framework to help them to be able to make well-rounded and well-considered decisions which will obviously then if they're doing that for each time be quite adaptive and flexible so there you have it thanks so much for joining us tracy can you please pass on to your partner Corey, that he's done an excellent job of uh, keeping quiet for this podcast we really appreciate it and he can go back to i'm um, drinking his uh, smoothie with a straw because we won't be able to hear the slogan noise so thanks good work thank you thanks for listening to another episode of the innovate for impact podcast Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.